Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. What does it mean to invest in a community? Big economic development projects are usually sold that way, and if you're cynical like I am, it can sound a lot like hot air. If a big company puts a new factory in your town, it might bring jobs, but the investment really is for the company and its shareholders. That's not a bad thing, that's capitalism, but community investment has been the purview of philanthropy for a long time. The dawn of big philanthropy was tied to robber barons, names like Carnegie and Rockefeller are synonymous with both greed and generosity, but more and more communities are investing in themselves, pooling contributions from donors, big and small, into community foundations. Today, there are more than 900 community foundations operating in the U.S., pumping billions of dollars each year into their communities. The third largest community foundation in Louisiana is housed in Lafayette, and that's Community Foundation of Acadiana. And in 2022, the foundation made over $16 million in gifts to causes in its eight parish region. The foundation was started in 2000, and my guest, Missy Bienvenue Andrade, is CFA's second ever director. She took the helm in 2022. She started her professional life as a pharmaceutical rep, moving into community work with a job at One Acadiana, the regional chamber of commerce. And she moved into nonprofits with jobs at the Boys and Girls Club, becoming the chief impact officer for the Boys and Girls Club of Louisiana in 2021. Missy grew up in Lafayette and spent 10 years as a dance choreographer. Missy Andrade, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Yeah. Community Foundation of Southwest Louisiana, which covers Metro Lake Charles, was founded in 2008, and it's helmed by my next guest, Sarah McLeod Judson. The foundation has become an important part of recovery efforts in the aftermath of Hurricanes Laura and Delta, both as a channel for local dollars and for national philanthropy. David Philo, Yahoo's co-founder, gifted $2.5 million to the foundation to help rebuild Lake Charles. That money is the cornerstone of a 50-year master plan. Sarah is a Lake Charles native and spent time working in public relations before moving into the nonprofit space. She's been the director of the Community Foundation of Southwest Louisiana since 2013. Sarah Judson, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Missy, CFA gave out $16 million in 2022, but I got to say, I'm not really sure I knew that. That's a big investment. So, like, how is it that something like that flies under the radar? Well, I guess uh, it depends on what radar you're talking about. Because sure. for us, um, that $16 million, that's really donor-directed dollars that are leaving the community foundation. So um, as you will probably learn in this conversation, community foundations are built uh, on, on the funds that they house. Um, for the case of the Community Foundation of Acadiana, um, almost 50% of our funds are donor-advised funds, mm -hmm. which is sort of like a charitable savings account. Someone uh, houses their charitable dollars at CFA, and then they direct grants throughout the year to causes that they care about uh, or opportunities that come their way. Um, it is not insignificant, and I do think there's many people in and around Acadiana that have no idea that that's the kind of money leaving the community foundation uh, and going into the nonprofit sector and and helping to support other programs and services. Um, for us as an organization, we have a big opportunity 
of course, to continue responding to the needs of our donors and, and assisting them with their philanthropy. Uh, but we are also at a juncture in our organization's history where we want to dive a little bit deeper to understand um, what is motivating the, the giving of our donors and what the needs of our community broadly are so that um, above and beyond donor-directed dollars, CFA can really start thinking about how we as an organization uh, direct dollars and really um, think bigger about how we solve some of the quality of life issues in our community. So I actually want to hold on the, the concept of the you know, the donor direction versus the sort of community direction to the extent they're saying, because in Lake Charles, right, I mean, you guys are playing sort of an outside, not outsized, but a significant role, right, in, let's use, for example, the two, uh, two and a half million from uh, the fella who co-founded Yahoo, right? Like, and this is kind of put into a master plan. That's not the kind of thing that Lafayette has typically done. I mean, Sarah, does that kind of donation, when it, when it finds its way in a community foundation of Southwest Louisiana, is that something that then becomes your responsibility to figure out how to direct, or is you know, um, David Philo saying, no, I want you to spend it on a master plan. Yeah, great question. And it really can work both ways. And that's part of what I know that Missy and I both want more people and companies to understand is that a community foundation can be really nimble and respond to what one donor, whether it's a family or a nonprofit group or a group of people that have a similar interest in a cause they want to support. Mm -hmm or it's something that comes your way from somebody like David and Angela Philo post-hurricane, really quickly after Hurricane Laura, their, their foundation manager reached out to me and said, we would like to make a significant gift. They didn't know exactly what it would be yet, but they wanted to talk about how could they have the community foundation steward hmm. their contribution to build a more thriving and sustainable Southwest Louisiana. So they didn't direct it as a master plan, they directed it as we wanna have a partner that can help us make a really positive impact. So we really feel good about being a steward of their resources and, and we were able to do that, bringing a team together to be our advisory committee and really getting input from a lot of folks across Calcasieu and Cameron, that's what this plan is about as the two parishes most devastated by the storms yet it really has the opportunity to support the rest of Southwest Louisiana and even have good ideas that CFA might want to follow with some parts of their region. So it's really for forward thinking and uh, really reaching a lot of different places over time. Uh, Missy, I mean, it sounds like we're, we haven't quite had that opportunity in the Lafayette market yet where you've had maybe an outside donor you know, with a bequest of that size. I mean, is it because you know, we haven't had a tragedy quite befall us like has happened in Lake Charles. Is it because we just haven't looked for that kind of um, for that kind of stewardship? So Sarah and I, we've we've talked offline, obviously connecting uh, before this. But when you think about community foundations, um, there are there's two big components that that you can look at. There is the um, the stewardship side, really uh, focusing on donors, focusing on helping them to set up whatever it is that they're that they're looking to set up. And then there's also the civic leadership component, which uh, I ask people everywhere I go, what's your definition of civic leadership? And, and that is always defined in many different ways. Um, but in the example that Sarah gave, um, that, that master plan is at the core of civic leadership. It is setting a vision, a very broad vision for a community and then pulling together stakeholders to not only define what that could look like, but then to really think about action. Here in Acadiana, 
I think CFA has historically really focused on the stewardship side. We have been really successful at bringing donors into the organization and building the fund balance uh, of CFA. Part of the leadership transition that I have stepped into really is about defining what does civic leadership mean to us and to our community and where do we go from here. Perhaps, to your point, we haven't had some gigantic um, event that has, uh, has asked a donor or, or a donor has come to us and said, hey, let's go ahead and do this. But what I will say is for many years and even now, um, this has been the conversation about community foundation. We need to be doing more. We need to step into that civic leadership role. We need to be the unbiased convener of data and information to make decisions about our community. Um, so although no one has stepped up and said, here's $2.5 million to do that, I think we have a tremendous amount of very generous and forward-thinking people in this community who are ready to see CFA step into that role, and I think they will be willing to invest in the creation of what civic leadership looks like for us. And, you know, our tagline, which is very similar to theirs as well, is connecting people who care with causes that matter. And so it can be whatever donors, whatever matters to them, we can help them achieve that. And in our case, there were a lot of different things going on pre-hurricanes, but the ultimate cause that mattered after Hurricane Laura and then Delta was recovering from the storm. So it was immediate relief, then recovery, and now working toward building the future of Southwest Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So really, I think it's, it's important in what is that cause that matters and it might be one thing to a certain group of people and they want to partner with the community foundation to achieve it or it may be something that happens like us with a, a hurricane that then just shows you what what has to be the cause that matters so sure. it really there are a lot of things that can drive what a community foundation addresses and a lot of that is by partnering with donors at all different levels. And, and that's another lovely part of a community foundation is that when you're doing something like, like this master plan and now implementing parts of it, people can contribute at whatever they care about and whatever level is doable and meaningful for them. So there are a lot of ways uh, for people to get involved. And I think that's been one of those um, miss perceptions. I know it was for me before I became a part of the Community Foundation that it's something for very wealthy people like the David Philos of the world. It is, yet there are all sorts of things that are causes that matter that lots of people can be a part of making happen. I mean, does it become tricky where, you know, I've heard people characterize it as house money, right? Like you have, you know, the, the donor advised money, you have the money that's going to be controlled by the foundation kind of more by its staff, but like if you want to deploy it based on what's perceived to be a community priority, you know, people might say, well, we're, you're choosing this versus that. Your priorities may match this you know, segment of the population versus another. Does it get tricky then as soon as you're starting to say, like, hey, we want to make an impact beyond just sort of the hundreds or thousands of donors who, who have money uh, uh, in, in my foundation? Um, does it become tricky to sort of identify where to go in a way that builds consensus around community? I could see, I, I see like where your where your question's coming from. One thing that I'll point to, and, and this is coming from the foundation that hasn't necessarily um, kind of put a stake in the ground on, on some of the key things we're going to focus on, but sure. you know, education and youth programs, it's important in every community in Louisiana. Last year, of the 16 million that left uh, CFA, 27% um, of those dollars were earmarked 
for education and youth programs. So even, you know, without uh, going through a, a massive strategic plan, which we will do, I can say, well, this is clearly something that our donors really care about. This is uh, an ongoing challenge in our community, providing kids with what they need to have a, uh, a good educational foundation and, you know, path forward. Um, something like that, a topic like that to me is one that uh, it's very hard for anyone to say like, that's not important, that doesn't matter. And to me, my data already says clearly donors care about this. Um, I do think there are certainly other pillars or, you know, various uh, things, initiatives that, that people want to support that could be a little bit trickier. Um, Sarah may have a little bit more experience with that uh, than I do, but as I look around at community foundations across the country, it really runs the gambit about what foundations choose to mm -hmm. then invest in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we experienced, again, because of the natural disaster, so it wasn't part of a strategic plan, sure. it was a how to respond to that. And one thing that was just incredible is the generosity of people across the country and even from other countries of people who made contributions to the relief and recovery efforts for Southwest Louisiana. And one of those things that kind of goes to your question is our responsibility as a community foundation, as the staff leadership, as well as the volunteer board members, uh, their responsibility of guiding those contributions. And in our hurricane relief and recovery, one of my favorite stories is that there's the week after the storm, my husband checked our PO box in Lake Charles. I was working with our partner, the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, so that I had one, a team of support, but also, you know, internet and air condition. And um, so my husband brought all the mail, giant stack of contributions in the very first week. And one of them was postmarked from the state of New York. And in it was brown paper folded over with three single dollar bills in it. And handwritten on the brown paper was Hurricane Laura relief. Somehow someone found the Community Foundation Southwest Louisiana and put their money in the, in the envelope and put a stamp on it. And it got to us within days after the storm. And so every day we think about our responsibility in stewarding the gifts, whether it was that person who sent $3 or others who we or were a million dollars and everything in between. People cared about other people who were living through a disaster and our responsibility continues to be stewarding those dollars. We are, community foundations are the boots on the ground. We know the nonprofits that work in our community day in and day out, and it's our job to get to know those who come in in a case like post-hurricane and work with them and know who are credible nonprofits doing good work so that we can then move those $3 or a million dollars that came from a donor and get it to the right places to get the work done. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Sarah McLeod Judson of the Community Foundation of Southwest Louisiana and Missy Biavenue Andrade of the Community Foundation of Acadia. Yeah, I think you guys are answering my question well, which is great because I asked it very poorly, but it's essentially about like, you know, there's going to be some tension, for lack of a better word, between sort of donor priorities, what they're interested in, and kind of like how people, especially when you start mixing money together to some extent, right? So uh, I, I guess, my, Missy, to you, I mean, my question is, is, is also sort of thinking about all right, if I care about education, I, I might be on the board of a private school that I went to, or I might work uh, with public schools, and I care a lot about that. And so there could be a foundation or like 
specifically private schools, it's a good example, right? They often have uh, development teams of their own. And so if you really care about education or you know Catholic education particularly, you might say, I'm gonna give $5,000 to the school. So why do people give money who care about education to CFA, right? Instead of say, well, I'm just gonna give it to this private school that I care about. That's a, a great question. And what I would tell you is we are partners to those institutions yeah. as well. Both in, in the case of Community Foundation of Acadiana, we have a strong relationship with the public school system as well and private schools. So um, in the example that you just gave, um, there are a number of private schools that, of course, if they do have their own development team, they're fundraising on a regular basis. Some of them uh, house their endowment with the Community Foundation of Acadiana. Some of them uh, have established, you know, other agency funds with the organization. It becomes, uh, I think, um, a, an opportunity to partner, another way for those organizations to raise dollars. You know, do you have to use a community foundation to give? No, you don't. Um, and, and I would say there's a number of our donors who are very clear about what it is that they want to give to, and they know they're going to give to their church, to their school, and, and we can help you know to make that possible. There are other individuals who are really looking for a partner in thinking strategically about their giving, and oftentimes education is going to be a piece of that. Maybe they have a relationship with an existing school, or maybe they don't, and they want to use the Community Foundation to learn a little bit more about well, what's, what's happening in education? You know, I haven't been approached to be a part of this capital campaign, but I care about a school, you know, a school being built in a particular area or community. Um, so it's one of those things that I would say we're a, we're a partner to the donor to execute their giving, but in many ways, in the case of private schools and others, we're a partner to them as well. There, there's an ease to it as well. If you have a, a donor-advised fund at the Community Foundation um, and the school that you want to give to is also, they have a fund there. There's opportunities to very easily kind of transfer those dollars as well. Mm -hmm. so. And, you know, also with, with the donor advised fund, which is something that a lot of people know about, um, and what we do that with a community foundation is that we're providing that, that resource, like Missy said. We are the boots on the ground, so we can help somebody if they want to achieve a goal, but they're not exactly sure how to go about achieving it. That's part of what we do is working with them to help them be strategic in their giving and get it to the place or where, where it's going to make the most difference. And also sometimes we're able to find other partners. They might be the $5,000 donor, but if we've got several other families or companies that want to achieve the same goal, we can help make a bigger impact for that cause. And then there are a variety of other vehicles of giving. That donor advised fund is one, but there are other ways for people to do giving with us. And some of it is in your lifetime, but some of it is making plans to do it forever. And so that is another really key factor. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that part because sometimes you just don't want to think about it. Yet it really is a wonderful thing to think about. It helps you do something in your lifetime that if you've been on the board, like of the Boys and Girls Club, for instance, or a Salvation Army, if you've served on the board or you've been a volunteer with a group and you really love it and you love that cause, you can make an agreement with the community foundation that says, this is what I want to support forever. And what else is wonderful is it's easy to do. It doesn't cost you money up front to do it. And you're making a plan so that your family knows this is part of what I want to achieve forever. And you can say, I love my church. I loved these groups that I served in, or I'm really passionate about 
K through 12 education and I want to leave money that a community foundation can help support that forever. So there are really so many ways that a person or a family can partner with a community foundation and achieve goals that they want to do. Things that are meaningful for them, we can help them make those happen. Don't you guys have, you mentioned to me, a field of interest fund around education or supporting schools in Southwest Louisiana? Yes, we have a, um, a small group of people that created that a number of years ago and their interest was helping students that have uh, special needs and more economic challenges than others and so that fund has done things like send a class on a field trip to NASA was one of them that I can remember or helping have enough school uniforms at the beginning of the year so it's something that they were passionate about and they they see what's happening or sometimes we see a need and can let that group know we know something's out there and they can decide if that's something they want to support. Are field of interest funds common? I mean, is that a common thing that foundations tend to do? Yeah, it is common. It's something I've been researching a lot. Um, we do have some at the Community Foundation, but I think there's a huge opportunity, especially when we think about collective impact, when we think about you know people who may care about a cause and want to be a part of bigger, broader giving. Um, a field of interest fund, uh, provides kind of a foundation for that where multiple people who care about education or animals or the arts or journalism, whatever it may be. Um, it's a worthy cause. It, mm -hmm. it is. It is. <laughs> I wanted to plug that. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Uh, there's an opportunity at, you know, for people to give at any amount and, and that field of interest fund, depending on how you set it up, there may be an advisory board mm -hmm. that um, helps to think about how those dollars are distributed. I've seen field of interest funds that are quasi-endowed. There's a portion that's endowed, but there's a spendable portion too. So I think there's a lot of flexibility there, but um, I seem to see in a lot of my research that it is pretty popular. Mm -hmm. we, we had one example also related to journalism. Uh, we had a longtime investigative reporter in Lake Charles, Hector San Miguel, mm -hmm. who unfortunately had cancer and passed away way too early in life. Mm -hmm. And a group of people got together and said, we want to honor Hector's legacy and the mission of their fund is to support the relentless pursuit of the truth. And Love so that. a yep. variety yep. of people gave money, like she said, at, at all different levels. And we now have a, a small advisory team that works on that. And we just sent a reporter, Emily Burley from the American Press. We allowed her to go to a conference and, and the fund supported her in that so that she could go and network and learn cutting edge techniques mm -hmm. to bring back home to Southwest Louisiana. So we, we, that is a great example of a field of interest and you're honoring someone's legacy if, if that's an important piece and a community foundation can help steward that for the long term. You know, this is interesting and I, I don't wanna do this because it's self-serving. Uh, you know, like journalism is a kind of a fairly new philanthropy, right? But, but broadly speaking, there are new philanthropies, I assume, that kind of develop all the time. It, it, I mean, do, do, do community foundations play a role in sort of educating their donors about what's possible, right? So you see somebody coming in and saying, you know what, you're really into education. Have you considered that journalism might be a similar, you know, field of interest, to borrow the term? I mean, is that the kind of work that you guys are sort of charged with doing on a day-to-day -day basis, sort of saying like, hey, have you heard of this? Yeah. This is probably up your alley. Yes. So dream with me here, because I'm still so new in my role. Yeah. But I see this as one of our, not only one of our greatest opportunities, but one of our greatest responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So asking really good questions uh, when, you're, when you have an opportunity to visit with donors to understand not just the things that, you know, the obligatory things that they're giving to, but really like 
Sarah mentioned legacy, like long term, what, what are those things that you love and want to preserve in your community or the things that really bother you and you want to change in your community? On the other side of that, I think we have an opportunity and, and are responsible for also understanding and having our finger on the pulse of what is out there, what's going on within the nonprofit community, other you know projects, things that are kind of bubbling up to be able to match make when the opportunity comes. Um, and, and I want to be real clear that I don't think I'm suggesting you tell people what to do. I think there is just this huge uh, opportunity to listen and ask really good questions and then show and inform to say, well, did you know? I, I'm always, always amazed by people's generosity and there's so many um, generous individuals out there who want to do great work. They don't always know either how to do it or really what's possible. Um, so I think there's a, a huge opportunity. It's one of the things I'm most excited about at Community Foundation of Acadiana because I think it will enhance the donor experience, the nonprofit experience, and of course, long term, make our community that much better. You know, one of one of my little items that I have here on the table to show you all. One is this sticker for Bayou Greenbelt. Love it. And Bayou Greenbelt, in a similar fashion. We had a, a family with a donor advised fund, so we, we already knew them and, and knew what things they were passionate about. And one day I was visiting with uh, the husband, his name is Mike Nodier, and he's an engineer, owns a company in uh, Lake Charles called Polaris Engineering. And Mike said, can I show you an idea I have? And he unwraps a map of the city of Lake Charles and showed me that his vision was to connect the waterways around the city of Lake Charles so that ultimately people could do things like kayaking, have different places to put in, have some amenities, enhance some little pocket parks maybe, that sort of thing. But he knew that you know there was a challenge to recruit people to our area, and this was pre-Hurricane Laura, and to recruit and retain top talent for things like engineering firms and so to have additional quality of life, things to highlight our natural resources, he had a vision. And because he was already partnered on his philanthropy with the community foundation, he felt comfortable bringing that to our attention. Well, when I shared that with some community foundation board members, they thought this was the greatest idea and that we should pursue it. So we then got involved. Our talk about a civic project, we said we want to help. And ultimately, because of the hurricane and the recovery efforts, ultimately this is really starting to come to fruition with a partnership with the National Park Service and FEMA. The Water Institute in Baton Rouge is now doing water modeling to determine if making these waterways deeper and wider in places where that needs to happen, if that is indeed a positive for drainage, which we think it will be, but we have to make sure of that. Um, but all of this is coming together, tremendous partnerships, people, companies, governmental entities that all want to be a part of making this happen. So it is now a part of our 50-year strategic plan, and it came from someone who brought his vision to the Community Foundation. I guess, you know, another way we could conceive of all this is, you know, Community Foundations, you're not just stewarding people's money, you're stewarding visions of a better community and what they want to see in their community, and that's a powerful thing. Uh, thank you guys both today for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana.
Thank you. Appreciate the chance to share. Thanks, Christian. My guests today were Missy Bienvenue Andrade, CEO of the Community Foundation of Acadiana, and Sarah McLeod Judson, CEO of the Community Foundation of Southwest Louisiana. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Missy and Sarah's work by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan. You can find more of Aster's photos on astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. Producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Associate producers are Molly Richard and Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. Today's show is engineered by Dylan Babineau, and I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current. Lafayette's nonprofit newsroom. To get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletter. We'll see you here next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. See you later. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.